Welcome to this week's episode where I will be discussing the ever-enigmatic Illuminati and other secret societies, strange cults, and key players that seem to control every movement and aspect of the media, the entertainment industry, where the money goes, who spends it, who prints it, who gets it, and places that they end up in life. The power players, the master of puppets. I'm Neil Parks, your host for Paranormally Speaking. I want to start off with uh, the official IlluminatiGroup.com website. I don't know if any of you have ever just on a whim looked up the word Illuminati on Google or did some sort of a keyword search and found that there's an actual website for membership into the Illuminati. The Illuminati officials, it says, the Illuminati is an elite organization of world leaders, business authorities, innovators, artists, political and other influential members of this planet. And it says, we help you to become one of us. To apply and be a member, contact our agent on the number below. And then there's a join us button. The core beliefs of the Illuminati It goes on to say that the pyramid, money is not the root of all evil. Money is the root to all freedom, they say. The selfish pursuit of money is a hollow goal, but the pursuit of the goodness that money can create is one of humanity's greatest responsibilities. The I, living humans, evolve at a rapid pace and continue to advance in ability through study, practice, and self-improvement. The human species is guarded by a coalition of its most elite members called the Illuminati. This is on this website. I'm not making this up. You can read it verbatim yourself. It goes on to say, The light. Every human is guided by an inner compass that points toward the light, revealing truth and direction amidst decisions. All human spiritual beliefs ultimately seek the light in ways differing only in form and function. The eternal, every human is one part of a larger eternal design, individual gears in a clock that has no end. Though they may never realize it, a person's actions have the power to alter the future of the entire world. And it goes on to show you on this website, the benefits of joining the Illuminati. The first major benefit of joining Illuminati is to change your life from poor to become rich. You will get money as you know life and money moves together in the world. So join Illuminati and get cash money as soon as you register. Number two, political and social in nature. Many many members that belonged to various movements in the 18th century were members of the Illuminati. It was political and social in nature. Since members were constantly advocating for meaningful change in their respective governments. Number three, provides connectivity and companionship. The Illuminati advocates for peace, championship, and brings the society together. Irrespective of their color, race, and class, members of the Illuminati also receive immortality. I'm not sure if this is a tongue-in-cheek type website or satirical, but it is... IlluminatiGroup.com. It goes on and on from there. Promote happiness, uh, church miracles, 
prepares individuals for greatness, provides, well, I just read that, um, uh, companionship. Uh, It's actually quite ridiculous. And then there's testimonials from people. Uh, There's a whole array of comments and then there's the contact the Illuminati to begin submit your information below name, contact, message, blah 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 then it shows the traditional triangle with the eye in the center and a halo above that and it says Illuminati I had, had even has a WhatsApp number that you can and an email address and it shows copyrights 2019 all rights reserved by the Illuminati and I'm not really sure how accurate this website is, but something that Newsweek um, in the UK actually wrote <clears throat> about the Illuminati. Um, who are the Illuminati and what do they control? Uh, a doctor promoted by Donald Trump shared conspiracy theories linked to secret global cabal. A doctor who has received support from Trump for her stances in the coronavirus during the height of the pandemic had previously claimed the Illuminati is working to destroy the world. It has emerged. Stella Emanuel appeared among a group of doctors in a viral video that surfaced last year. It was a week ago this year, actually, uh, a year ago this week, claiming that neither masks nor shutdowns are necessary to fight the pandemic. The video has been viewed more than 14 million times, and it was retweeted by the president last summer, President Trump at that time, before being removed from social media for spreading unsubstantiated and horrid and false information. Trump described uh, this doctor as very impressive in a news conference, of course. Uh, has made widely outlandish claims before, including that uh, uterine disorders are caused by sex with demons that takes place in dreams. And in a 2015 sermon, Emmanuel also laid out a supposed Illuminati plan hatched by a witch to destroy the world using abortion, gay marriage, and children's toys, the Washington Post says. The mysterious and fictitious group is often accused of being behind nefarious global events, and coronavirus has prompted further speculation about the Illuminati's powers on online forums. Who are the Illuminati? The original Illuminati group was founded in Bavaria in the 18th century by Adam Weishaupt an anti-clerical professor who wanted to limit the interference of the church and public life, convinced that religious ideas were no longer an adequate belief system to govern modern societies. He decided to find another form of illumination, a set of ideas and practices that could be applied to radically change the way European states were being run. Uh, Reports National Geographic. He based his secret society on the Freemasons with a hierarchy and mysterious rituals and named it the Order of the Illuminati to reflect the enlightened ideals of its educated members. Chris Hadup, the co-author of Conspiracy Theories and Secret Societies for Dummies, says a defining feature of early Illuminati members is that they did not trust anyone over 30 because they were too set in their ways. Uh, 
In terms of their legacy, historians tend to link the original Illuminati, which was mild, only mildly successful at best, and becoming influential, says Vox. The order did boast some influential members, with the most famous of these alleged to have been the German thinker Johann Goethe. The Illuminati was stamped out by a government crackdown on secret societies in the late 1780s, but rumors that it continued to survive as an underground organization that even infiltrated our own government has persisted into modern day. Among the alleged members of the secret society are not just politicians and religious leaders, but also actors and pop stars. The Illuminati theory has no small number of committed adherents, and particularly in the U.S., According to a poll by Insider, around 15% of the American electorate believe that the Illuminati exists. The news site says that age groups most likely to believe were Gen Xers and older millennials, and Republicans were more likely to believe in that secret society than Democrats. An estimated 200 million Americans were registered to vote in 2016 during the presidential election. The site notes, if Insider's poll is accurate, the picture of the entire U.S. population, 30 million of these voters would be people who believe in the Illuminati. Please hold for an important message from our sponsor. Why do people believe in conspiracy theories? It seems that every family has an Uncle Joe, the guy who goes on and on about conspiracy theories at the holiday dinner table. The 9-11 attack was orchestrated by the government. The moon landing was filmed in Hollywood. Lee Harvey Oswald did not act alone in the Kennedy assassination. And don't get me started on global warming. Record low temperatures this Christmas and you expect me to believe in a world that's actually getting warmer? Give me a break. Maybe we should just give Uncle Joe a break, or at least try to understand where he's coming from. Why do some people believe in conspiracy theories anyway? This is exactly the question posed by British psychologist Karen Douglas and her colleagues in a recent article in the journal Current Directions in Psychological Science. The researchers found that the reason for believing in conspiracy theories can be grouped into three categories. Number one, the desire for understanding and certainty. Number two, the desire for control and security. And number three, the desire to maintain a positive self-image. They look at each of these three motives in turn. The desire for understanding and certainty, seeking explanations for events, is a natural human desire. We are constantly asking why things happen the way they do. Why does it have to rain the day I want to go out. Why did she give me the cold shoulder like that? Why can't you understand what I'm trying to tell you? And we don't just ask questions. We also quickly find answers to those questions. Not necessarily the true answers, but rather answers that comfort us or that fit into our worldview or not necessarily a global view because so many people that are conspiracy theorists have more of a local, if not regional view. And they believe that their local perspective and regional perspective affects the overall global perspective. The problem with that is you can't understand what I'm saying because you're just not listening. 
We all harbor false beliefs, that is, things we believe to be true, but in fact are not. For example, if you believe Sydney is the capital of Australia, you are a victim of a false belief. But once you are confronted with the fact that Canberra is the capital of Australia, you'll readily change your mind. After all, you were simply misinformed and you're not emotionally invested in it. Conspiracy theories are also false beliefs by definition, but people who believe in them have a vested interest in maintaining them. First, they put some effort into understanding the conspiracy theory explanation for the event, <clears throat> whether by reading books, going to websites, or watching TV programs that support their beliefs. For example, Fox News. Uncertainty is an unpleasant state, and conspiracy theories provide a sense of understanding and certainty that is comforting to those. The desire for control and security is the second label. People need to feel they're in control of their lives. For instance, many people feel safer when they are the driver in the car rather than the passenger. Of course, even the best drivers can get into accidents for reasons beyond their control. Likewise, conspiracy theories can give their believers a sense of control and security. This is especially true when the alternative accounts feel threatening. For example, if global temperatures are in fact rising catastrophically due to human activity, then I'll have to make painful changes in my comfortable lifestyle. But if pundits and politicians assure me that global warming is a hoax, then I can maintain my current way of living. This kind of motivated reasoning is an important component in conspiracy theory beliefs. And the third example, the desire to maintain a positive self-image. Research shows that people who feel socially marginalized are more likely to believe in conspiracy theories. We all have a desire to maintain a positive self-image, which usually comes from the roles we play in life, that being our jobs, our relationships with family and friends. When we know we make a positive difference in the lives of others, as parent, spouse, friend, teacher, or mentor, we see our own lives as worthwhile, and we feel good about ourselves. But say Uncle Joe is on disability and hasn't worked for years. He feels socially excluded. However, he does have plenty of time to surf the internet for information about conspiracy theories, and he can chat online with others who hold similar beliefs. Thus, belief in conspiracy theories gives Uncle Joe a sense of community. Furthermore, his research into conspiracy theories has given him a sense that he is the holder of privileged knowledge. Most people who believe global warming is real or that vaccines are safe don't do so because they understand science. Rather, they trust the experts. And so when Uncle Joe starts trotting on out all the evidence against global warming, it can be difficult to make reasonable counter-arguments. All you've got is the feeling that the conspiracy theory seems too complicated to be true. But from Uncle Joe's perspective, it's clear he knows more about the subject than you do. In sum, we have a good understanding of what motivates people to believe in conspiracy theories. That is, they do so because of three basic needs. We all have to understand the world around us, to feel secure and in control, and to maintain a positive self-image. But do conspiracy theory beliefs actually help people satisfy these needs? Studies have found that when 
college students are exposed to conspiracy theories, they show an increased sense of insecurity. This has led some researchers to conclude that conspiracy theory belief is self-defeating. However, as Douglas and her colleagues point out, most college students have little motivation to believe in conspiracy theories in the first place. What's really needed, they argue, are some carefully designed studies that directly examine those who already believe in conspiracy theories. Regardless of the outcome of these future studies, the real question for us now is how to deal with the Uncle Joe in our life. You may offer counter-evidence in an attempt to convince him to give up his conspiracy theories, but you're unlikely to succeed. This is because you are arguing facts while Uncle Joe is defending his sense of security and his positive feelings about himself. And for the rest of us, self-image trumps facts every time. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. Ten things to know about the psychology of cults. Both terrifying and utterly fascinating, cults have a tendency to capture the attention of just about everyone. Questions abound. Where do these people come from? What are they really doing inside these secluded compounds? Most interesting, perhaps, are the psychological components of cult life. Questions such as, who in the world would fall for that? In an effort to answer these questions and more, I've provided a list of 10 things to know about the psychology of cults. For starters, cults are attractive because they promote an illusion of comfort. Humans desire comfort, and in a fearful and uncertain world, many turn to cults because they tend to promote exactly what John Patrick Peterson, or psychologist at Caltech, has pointed out, that cult leaders often make promises that are totally unattainable, but also offered by no other group in society. Such things might include financial security, total health, constant peace of mind, and eternal life. These things every human desires at the deepest level. Cults also satisfy the human desire for absolute answers. Today's world is a tough one, with more abstract issues than there are issues that are just black and white. As Dr. Adrian Furham describes in Psychology Today, humans crave clarity. Many people join cults because they believe they are being offered solid, absolute answers for questions such as good versus evil, religion, the meaning of life, politics, etc. Many cult leaders promote messages that are simple and seem to make sense, the exact opposite of what we're often provided with typical everyday life. This screams the sociopathic behavior and tendencies of Donald Trump and his Kool-Aid drinking, madman cult crawling out from under the rocks and pandering to the undereducated, poorly educated, easily duped, the list goes on. Those with low self-esteem are more likely to be persuaded by the cult environment. People are often surprised to learn that those who join cults are, for the most part, average people. They come from all backgrounds, all zip codes, all tax brackets, all races, colors. But research done in the past two decades has found an interesting pattern. Many people successfully recruited by cults are said to have low self-esteem. Cults generally do not look to recruit those with certain handicaps or clinical depression. However, 
People with low self-esteem are easier to break down than they are to build up in an effort to teach them that the cult is the supportive environment they are looking for. New recruits are love-bombed. Once people have been recruited by a cult, they are often what's referred to as love-bombed. You get this in a lot of far-right evangelical churches. This odd phrase is commonly used to describe the ways in which someone with low self-esteem is consistently flattered, complimented, and seduced into order to train their brain to associate the cult with love and acceptance, like a family. Statistically, women are more likely than men to join a cult, but women are used as a way to seduce men into joining cults. According to various research, uh, women make up a whopping 70% of cult members around the globe. Psychologists have different ideas about why more women than men join cults. Dr. David Bromley of Virginia Commonwealth University points out that women simply attend more social gatherings, either religious or otherwise. This makes women statistically more likely to join cults than will ultimately victimize them. Others suggest it has to do with the fact that women have been oppressed for much of human history. Therefore, they are more comfortable being under an authority figure and being told what to do and how to think. Still, others write this off as a total crock. Emma Klein, the author of the best-selling cult-themed novel The Girls, theorizes that young women are often taught to seek the attention of men and to wait for rescue. Joining a cult, says Klein, is a way for many young women to feel as if they are seizing their destiny. Many cult members have rejected religion. Dr. Stanley H. Kath, a psychologist and psychology professor at Tufts University, has treated more than 60 former cult members over the course of his career. From this unique firsthand experience, Kath has noticed an interesting trend. Many people who join cults have experienced religion at some point in their lives and in the end have rejected it. Perhaps this is surprising considering many cults tend to be super religious or at least claim to be. But Dr. Kath asserts that this trend is a sign of something deeper. Many of those who join cults are intelligent young people from sheltered environments. Growing up in such an environment, says Dr. Kath, often means that many have a history of failing to achieve intimacy, of blaming others for their failures, and of constantly striving for perfectionist goals. These characteristics make them prime targets for cult recruitment. Cults maintain their power by promoting an us-versus-them mentality. The current GOP, for example, has become a cult within itself. Cults prove powerful because they are able to successfully isolate members from their former non-cult lives. Scientology rings a bell. One of the ways cult leaders achieve this is to convince their followers that they are superior to those not in the cult. This is us-versus-them mentality ultimately leads to cult members isolating themselves socially from friends and family. They replace those relationships with new ones inside the cult. The Jehovah's Witnesses behave this way. Cult leaders are masters at mind control. Cult leaders convince their victims to separate themselves from society, give up personal possessions and sometimes huge sums of money. They convince people to buy into whatever they are promoting, to do all this 
the cult leader must be a master at mind control. Ways in which leaders gain control over cult members vary, but some popular methods include public humiliation. New cult members may be love-bombed shortly after their arrival, but once they are established, the cult leaders often maintain emotional control through various exercises meant to publicly humiliate a member. One of such methods involves someone sitting in a chair surrounded by other members, at which time they are required to admit their recent failures, base thoughts, shortcomings, etc. Self-incrimination is another way. A favorite tactic of some infamous cult leaders, Jim Jones. Self-incrimination requires cult members to provide their leader with written statements detailing their individual fears and mistakes. The cult leader can then use these statements to shame individual members publicly. Donald Trump does this with his cabinet members and those that are a part of his committees and boards. Brainwashing. Cult leaders, it's another way that they maintain control, are known to repeat various lies and distortions until members find it difficult to distinguish between reality and cult life. Donald freaking Trump exhibits this behavioral trait and this tendency on an hour-to-hour basis, if not minute-by-minute. Paranoia is another means of control to maintain a false sense of comfort. Cults often rely on paranoia tactics. Cult leaders convince their victims that a group, their families, and or the government is out to get them, but that the cult can provide safety. Once a cult member comes to the conclusion that their families and country cannot keep them safe, they begin to worship and put all their faith in their cult leader. Jim Jones was especially skilled at this type of mind control trick. He would encourage members to spy on each other and consistently spoke through loudspeakers at all hours of the day so that cult members would hear his voice, whether awake or asleep. Cult members often have no idea they are even in a cult. Often it can be obvious to those around them. People in cults often don't realize that they have become a part of a cult. Psychologist Dr. Margaret Thaler Singer spent most of her career studying the psychology of cults and brainwashing. She found that most people enter a cult willingly without realizing the power that it has bound to have over them. Singer theorizes that it is partly because some people are more willing to see the perceived benefits than they are the potential dangers. She also mentions that many people assume cults are only religious, Through uh, though in truth, cults can also be political groups. The Republican freaking party of 2020 is a prime example. It can also be lifestyle groups or business groups. Cult life can have a dangerous and lasting effect. Cult victims often spend years overcoming the emotional damage incurred during their time spent in a cult. Psychologists often treat former cult members routinely, describe the long-term effect being in a cult environment can have on the human body. Dr. John G. Clark Jr. is a Harvard psychiatry professor and the co-founder of the nonprofit group which treats former members and their families from cult behavior. He specifically mentions that the symptoms of the temporal lobe epilepsy are similar to those seen or reported as resulted from cult conversions. Increased irritability, loss of libido, or altered sexual interest, ritualism, compulsive attention to detail, mystic states, humorlessness, and sobriety, heightened paranoia, all connect to a cult-like mentality and those trying to overcome it. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, 
Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Top 5 Crazy Government Experiments What comes to mind when you hear the words government experiment? If Google image search can truly gauge this sort of thing, then your head's likely swimming with comic book super soldiers, conspiracy theories, mutilated animals or mutated animals, and oddly enough, country music singer Kenny Rogers' face. Outside the world of comics and horror flicks, funding is pretty tight, especially for mad scientists. You'd be surprised how hard it is to snag a government grant when your proposal includes snippets like a deep, penetrating dive into a plasma pool and bow down before me as such. Most government-funded research tends to stay away from atomic supermen. Countless constructive, life-changing breakthroughs trace back to government-funded labs from various vaccines to microwave ovens. The comfy insoles in your shoes, for instance, are just one Everyday Wonder brought to you by NASA. Still, the occasional oddball premise slips past the people who control government grant applications, regardless of the possible benefits to humanity. These are the government experiments that garner the most attention. After all, the prospect of genetically modified flying piranhas is troubling enough, but tack on tax funded, and you have a real public outcry on your hands. Uh, what I'm about to read to you will leave behind uh, drive-in theaters and horror aisles of the video stores and breeze through five of the craziest real-life government experiments that I could possibly gather up for you. Number five. I'm going to start five to one. Gathering and getting ahead in the Cold War. The 1950s and 60s were a golden age for scientific optimism. Humans were venturing into outer space, watching television, and finally glimpsing the cascading grace of DNA's double helix, all of which helped to soften the blow of looming nuclear annihilation. Still, provided humanity didn't destroy itself, the future looked bright in the wake of the first successful long-term human organ transplant, that being a kidney, in 1954. Could human head transplants really be that far off? While sometimes more morbid than scientific, our fascination with life-altering decapitation stretches back pretty far past the guillotine gawkers of the French Revolution and back to the era of cruelly sharpened stones. Even today, it remains one of, the, of medicine's final frontiers, offering possible alternatives to quadriplegics with organ failure. As was often the case during the mid-20th century, dogs and monkeys wound up making some huge sacrifices for human science. U.S. Surgeon General Charles Guthrie transplanted one dog's head onto the neck of another in 1908 with government funding. The Soviet surgeon Vladimir Demikov attempted a canine upper body transplant in 1951. Not to be outdone, the United States funded the work of neurosurgeon Robert J. White in the mid-1960s. White experimented with transplantation of dog and monkey brains into the necks and abdomens of other animals. His work culminated with the 1970 experiment that saw the head of one living monkey transplanted onto the headless body of another. 
Number four, the sad case of acoustic kitty. The subject of animal experimentation for the advancement of medical science or space exploration can prove a tricky topic. As you might imagine, say that you will, what about swapping monkey heads? But those experiments taught us much of what we know about the possibilities and limits of full-body transplants. Still, this argument doesn't win over everybody. Even fewer people buy into the necessity for the United States Central Intelligence Agency's CIA deployment of Acoustic Kitty. It was the 1960s in the midst of the Cold War, and espionage was the stage for many of the machinists between the U.S., and the Soviet superpowers. Given the political climate, you might be tempted to forgive the CIA for blowing five years and more than 10 million attempting to train a cat, but the addition of surgically implanted listening equipment, a battery and tail base antenna, tend to tip things in favor of the critics. Following further surgical attempts to bug the cat and curb its hunger, it darted under a taxi cab during a field test and died. Was the animal's death an accident or an act of sacrifice to end the monstrous program? Today, house cats continue to ignore their human owners, presumably free from surgical implanted spy equipment. The American public didn't learn about Acoustic Kitty until the related documents were declassified in 2001. Please hold for an important message from our sponsor. Hey guys, good news. The outrageously expensive little blue pill is now generic, which means you can get the prescription medication to treat ED at affordable prices. And Hems makes it extra affordable. You pay just 30 bucks for a month's supply. And right now, get your first online doctor's visit totally free when you go to 4 slash good. That's right, free, zero copay, no expensive appointments, no awkward face-to-face -face conversations to get your prescription. Hims connects you to doctors online who can evaluate you and, if appropriate, prescribe your ED medication. And a pharmacy sends it right to your door. Hims makes it affordable, private, and incredibly easy. Nobody likes dealing with ED. Now, thanks to Hims, nobody has to. And that's really good news. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, 4hims.com slash good. That's 4hims.com slash good for your free online visit. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash good. Family is big around here. We're family owned, family operated, family managed. And that means legacy. That means dependability. That means using Granger. With over 1.5 million products and knowledgeable product experts, Granger has whatever we need. And with same day pickup and next day delivery options, they have it whenever we need it. For over 90 years, businesses like ours have trusted Granger. Because, like family, Granger's got our back. Call, clickgranger.com, or stop by to see for yourself. Granger, for the ones who get it done. We're back. Number three zero gravity black budgets and UFOs. The subject of secret Nazi experiments generally follows two paths. It either dives into the horrors of the Holocaust or explores the ridiculous annals of conspiracy theory, complete with whisperings of a secret Antarctic base and Hitler's UFO escape into the hollow earth, which I shared last week. It's a shared shred of truth mixed in with the fantasy. British journalist Nick Cook thinks there might be, as detailed in his book, The Hunt for Zero Point, the former Jane's Defense Weekly aviation editor explored the possible existence of Nazi anti-gravity experiments. 
that is research into zero-point energy, a quantum effect caused by vertical particles winking in and out of existence. Cook argues that some of this technology was glimpsed by Allied pilots as unidentified Foo Fighters, flying objects, aircraft. He even argues that some post-war UFO sightings may be due to the U.S. and Russian programs based on this seized technology. As a decorated journalist and noted authority on the black budgets that fund top-secret government programs and projects, Cook stands apart from most conspiracy writers. Plus, his case for Germany's wartime anti-gravity program gains some credibility given current projects by the likes of Boeing and NASA to develop gravity-shielding technologies. Number two, space, the final sexual frontier. Space experiments often win the prize for weird, from blasting doomed chimps into orbit to rewarding weightless, web-spinning spiders with filet mignon dinners. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you have the creme de la creme of pulp science fiction fantasies, space sex. In 2000, French astronomer Pierre Collard made headlines when he claimed in his book, The Last Mission That NASA Studied, the feastability of 10 low-gravity sex positions during a 1996 space shuttle mission. NASA denies this, of course. Not to be undone, the Russians allegedly carried out experiments related to human docking procedures as well. Experiments concerning the effects of space on the human reproductive system are nothing new. After all, if you set aside all uh, cultural baggage, sexual reproduction is a central process. In the early days of space exploration, there was even uncertainty of how a trip into orbit might affect a human's ability to procreate. Soviet scientists paid especially close attention to cosmonaut Valentina Taraskov's 1964 pregnancy after returning from orbit. Taraskov's married fellow cosmonaut Andriana Nikolave and soon became pregnant with the world's first child born on two of two veterans of spaceflight. The couple's daughter turned out perfectly healthy, but the case was largely uncharted territory in the growing field of space medicine. The timelines of the percentage and the parentage even led some to question whether the union might have been arranged, a science experiment in itself. As for the future of space sex, Proponents say it's just a matter of time and that it would be unrealistic and possibly unhealthy to forbid sexual activity aboard multi-year manned missions. And the last one, number one, the psychic Cold War. Paranormal research is hardly a hotbed of credibility these days, but for a time it wasn't just a topic of serious discussion. It was a matter of national security. The Cold War between the Soviet and American superpowers saw an arms race, a space race, and believe it or not, a struggle for dominance of paranormal forces. The U.S. Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, reportedly sunk millions into the 1970s psychic spy program. All of this federally funded research took place in an effort to keep up with the Russians, who had been researching telepathy and telekinesis since the 1920s. Can you imagine a world where submarine crews use telepathy to communicate with the surface? How about a space race in which cosmonauts use precognition to dodge orbital collisions and psychics meld their minds with what that of a computer? 
the Soviets could imagine such things, and they funded the research to determine their feasibility. It's impossible to single out a winner in this psychic Cold War, according to a 1973 DARPA commission study by the RAND Corporation. The Russians and Americans both put roughly the same amount of effort and money into their paranormal programs. The big difference, according to the report, that is, that the U.S. study tended to rely more on psychology while Soviets focused on biological and physical theories. In their conclusion, the RAND Corporation determined the U.S. program a failure while the Russians were more likely to excel, providing there's a shred of truth to any of the hypotheses and the spoonbenders they studied. How's that for a backhanded compliment? And that, my friend, is all I have for you this week. I hope you enjoyed the wild ride into the mind of the elite. Is there an Illuminati? Is there a Skull and Bone Society that operates within Ivy League schools? Any kind of a secret society like the Serpent in the Hand or the Order of the Black Hand? Uh, Various other secret societies have been introduced in comic books throughout history, of course. Uh, There are always uh, groups consisting of assassins and spy games and so forth. And there's been a whole lot of that through every genre of literature. It's been depicted heavily in comics and, and comic book movies, depicted from what's in the pages. But the Illuminati seems to be the head of the serpent. And if there really is a master of puppets, a group of elite higher-ups that watch, monitor, and control everything, then I think it's time we take the power back. Or did we ever really have power to begin with? Freedom seems to be an illusion, but I'll take what I can get for the time being within the nation I live in America being my home. Because it is better than a lot of... A lot of other places, a lot of other countries, many, many other countries. I would honestly rather be here. I'm content with that. But I will not stop fighting the good fight. Have a terrific weekend. Thank you for listening to me this long. And keep your eyes on everything because you really shouldn't trust anyone. Neil Parks, signing out.